You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Mentors and mentoring leaders, Zach Garza here with the You Can Mentor podcast. I got three things that I would like to ask of you today. Number one, if you are a mentoring organization and you would like to be on our podcast or learn more about the best practices of mentoring, please reach out to us, www.youcanmentor.com. You can send us an email, Zach, Z-A-C-H, at youcanmentor.com, or Stephen, that's with a P-H, at youcanmentor.com. You can also find us on social media. Give us that DM and we'll get back to you. We just want to get to know you and we want to learn more about what you're doing in your communities to advance mentoring. And we believe that interaction leads to innovation. So let's work together and advance the kingdom through mentoring. Number two, if you know of someone who would benefit from the You Can Mentor podcast, please share our podcast, share our information with them. That would be super helpful. And then lastly, if you could rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us that five star. It will help spread the word about mentoring and the You Can Mentor podcast because we really do want every mentoring org in America who is trying to make disciples through mentoring to know about us. We want to get to know about them so we can learn from them and work together to help kids reach their full potential. So that's what I got. Please do those things. Reach out to us, share and rate. Appreciate you. You Can Mentor. All right, welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. I am Zach Garza, and I'm here with my man, John Bernard of Middleman Ministries. John, say hi. Hello, Zach. All right, John was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about something, something that had to do with mentoring. That's correct. And Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I talked about that thing and that person, and, um, and, and you know, shared stuff about myself that, am I proud of that? I don't know. But I did it. <laughs> that is what we talked about. We talked about your ministry. Talked about Middleman. Middleman Ministries. That's right. That's great. Well, John's in Waco, and I just moved to Waco, and I don't have any friends. So, John, I'm I'm shipped through asking John to be on the podcast a lot. That's right. And we're <laughs> it's it's in limbo right now, but I think things look good. I don't want to say that you're taking the place of of Stephen, my old co-host, but uh, what I'm doing. But that 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 might be. Uh, just me trying to search out someone who's like Steven. So Steven, I wonder if this isn't the, uh, this is the first time I'm hearing about Steven. This is like, I'm talking about my ex-girlfriend right, right now. I'm feeling triggered. <laughs> I'll be okay. Okay. I'm gonna stop talking about this. All right. Well, so we are going to enter into a new series. And just before we start, John and I have been talking about mentoring and the Lord and just how, how to be the best mentor spots by way of relationship ring. And, John shared this concept the last time that we talked about what we call the pillars of mentoring. And um, there has been some, some talk back and forth whether or not this is what we should title it, but this is what we're going with, the pillars of mentoring. The working title, I like it. And John has um, really brought to my attention this concept of the, the three things that mentors give to mentees are identity, purpose, and community. And at first I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, of course we give those things. And then I was like, well, but what about love? What about attention? What about this? What about skills? What about that? Actually, Zach, all of that is, is actually in these three things. 
And so... It's as if, Zach, that, that I've shared maybe kind of some of the broads, and then you're coming in with the finer tools, right? The, the, the smaller brushes yes. to say, but, but what about this? And, and it's like, yeah, man, there's room there. And so let's, let's really paint this really beautiful picture. So you're the big Sharpie, the fat Sharpie. The fat Sharpie. And I'm the skinny Sharpie. That's it. The fine. No, you're fine and yes, I'm fat. Fine and fat. Okay. Like so that this. is our, we can have, like, we can be DJs. <laughs> so we are going to start this. We can be DJs. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Like fine, fine and, and fat. fat. That's right. Oh my gosh. It's like Birthday Robin parties. Big. Yes. Okay. So, so this is fine and fat. We're bringing to you the pillars of mentoring. We are going to be going deep into identity, purpose, and community. Um, that's what we're going to be doing in the next couple episodes. But for today, John and I were talking on the phone yesterday, and he started talking about this passage in 2 Samuel 8 and 9 with King David and this guy named... Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. It's so close. Mephibosheth. And you got it. I believe that I am a good Christian, and I believe that I read the Bible more than most Christians, and I've never heard of this guy before. Oh, man. I don't know if it's because it was a big word, so I just like bypassed it. But John went into this like in-depth, like how Mephibosheth and David like represents all this stuff. And my head was blown. For sure. And I was just like, dude, you've got to come, in, come into the office and we have to make a podcast about this. Because yeah. I think that there's a lot here in regards to mentoring and relationship. And I believe that this story in 2 Samuel 8 and 9 of King David, of King David and Mephibosheth is really the foundation of kind of what we're going to be talking about in regards to identity, purpose, and community, the pillars of mentoring. 100%. So, John, just break us down. What is 2 Samuel 8 and 9? What's going on with David? Who is this Mephibosheth? And what can we take away from that? Okay, so first of all, just kind of take one step back. You're a, are you a music guy? Yeah, I'm a okay. music guy. You know, like when you... I love Creed. Oh. <laughs> Okay, let's take let's take Creed for example. Which, by the way, I saw Creed live. <laughs> I'm all right, sure you did. and now I think that the average Joe might say, "Hey, don't those songs sound kind of sound the same?" And and you'd say, "Well, if you mean rad, yes, they do because they're all rad." <laughs> exactly. Yes. So you know, you've got this band, and they have their really popular songs, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're a real fan, you like some songs that are what we call deep cuts, right? Yes. All right. So I want you to be thinking about Second Samuel eight and nine as like a deep cut of, of scripture, okay? Mm -hmm. it, again, might not have been preached about a whole lot. And so you're thinking, well, wait a minute, if it was a really good story, if it was, if it was something that I can draw tons of application from about how to live my life for Christ and also to be able to mentor, then I would have heard about it already. Well, I'm here to tell you, my friend, that this is one of those deep cuts that I think is going to become a favorite, even though it hasn't been something that you've kind of been, to, been able to uh, study just yet. It's great. So, 2 Samuel 8 and 9. Let's go back to that chapter eight. And in fact, the heading of this chapter is something like David accounts for his victories or, or David's many victories, right? So second Samuel chapter eight is David. Um, we are, as the reader are just hearing about all the great things that David has done, all his accomplishments. Okay. He's been a fierce warrior. He's been a great ruler. He's been cunning as well. You'll read in that passage about decisions that he made as a leader that would weaken his opponent and continue to kind of fortify his leadership. Really, really interesting stuff. And then toward the end of that passage or that chapter, it just gives us a description of these men that were like trusted allies and, um, and basically David's men. All right. So what we get already for that we that we're discussing today of Samuel chapter eight is David's identity, 
his purpose and his community already starting to be um, explained to us, right? Who he is based on him being a great leader, a great warrior, what he's done, and then finally who he's done it with, okay? So just so I'm clear on this, and this is the first time that I've ever gone through this. So I'm sitting here with the Bible in my hand and I'm reading out of Second Samuel 8. It says, David defeated the Philistines. He defeated 1,700 horsemen, 20,000 foot soldiers, 22 men of Syrians. He made a name for himself because he struck down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. I mean, this guy's the real deal. And so when people see David, what do they see? They see a warrior. They see a king. They see like this guy's the real deal. That's right. And then the next little sub subheading in Second Samuel 8, 15, it talks about his officials. It talks about Joab and Zadok and all of these guys who have been like, okay, I'm going to kind of join up with David because this guy's legit. That's right. So, And obviously, he didn't, he didn't do it himself, right? It takes community. It does. David had, was it 300 men? I, I, I should know this. David's mighty men. Right. So I don't know how many there were. But. Yeah. We might need to fact check some numbers yeah. later. <laughs> Supposedly, David had many men. That's right. And so we, and interestingly enough, I think that it's really important for us not to just glaze over that too quickly. And that is the understanding that that nothing gets done on our own. We are not we are not called to do things um, to accomplish things solo. Even a king needs help. Exactly right. Okay. So identity, who you are, uh, purpose, what you do, community, who you do it with. Exactly. That's great. All right. Bring us into 2 Samuel 9. Okay. So it's important that, again, we remember what's going on, what's just happened. Why Why has God chosen to communicate these words to us in 2 Samuel chapter 8? I think it makes it so much uh, more important and valuable when we look at how chapter ends. And as it says, the beginning is a question that David asks, and that is, is there of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? What an incredible question. And what what a heart-revealing question into who David is to say, look, this is who I am, this is what I've done, and these are my guys. Now, here I am. What am I doing? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gloating over my accomplishments. I'm not thinking about building yet a bigger house in order to put my bigger trophies into. What I'm doing is I'm going back to thinking about what, I, what promise I made to my best friend, right, whose heart was knitted to mine, as it said in Scripture, who I made a promise to, to protect and to um, sustain multiple generations after Jonathan. Okay, so take us back. Who is David and who is Jonathan? Okay. Just pretend like I've never heard of these people before. All right. Well, many are, you know, we've even made it a figure of speech, right? The, the Goliaths, right? The David versus Goliath kind of thing. We kind of apply that to sports, right? We have a sport program that's one that's not fortified, one that's not well known. We have one that is just like a, got a tradition of winning, right? And they are the Goliaths. So the David versus is, is um, kind of a trope that we have in our, in our modern culture because of um, what happened in scripture with the little shepherd boy, David. And um, if you're not familiar, we highly recommend that you search scripture and be able to read this wonderful account that, that shows us um, who David was and, and really the level of conviction that he had even as a young man, right? Um, the fact that he um, looked at Goliath and was hearing what, what he was saying about his God, and he got upset. And not only was he willing to you know, want to say words, but in fact, he, was, he went out looking for some rocks for his slingshot, mm -hmm. all right? 
So we know that David defeats Goliath. We know that David picks Goliath's sword, chops Goliath's head off, picks up that head, carries it back to King Saul. And again, I'm, I'm going over so much rich you know, description in, in scripture, but of this little shepherd boy standing in Saul's court, recounting, the scripture says that he recounts the story of what just happened. And as Saul is hearing it, King Saul, his son, Jonathan, okay, the prince is, is just next to him. And Jonathan on his own was no slouch. He was also um, committed to his faith. He loved God. Um, he also did, did mighty things in, in the Lord's name. Um, he also defeated many, many warriors, even on his own. But here's what I really love about Jonathan. Jonathan, as, as the, the rightful prince, right, bloodline, he's got the pedigree. He's got the, the heritage. He's got, he's got the tradition on his side. As he is hearing the account from David, as David is sharing his story about what he's done in the name of the Lord, Jonathan said, I think that this is our guy. I think that I think that this is the guy who will be on the throne, not me. So again, what a what a great showing of selflessness um, that scripture shows us in Jonathan's heart to say, I want to be obedient to God. And and I believe that this guy is going to be king. And so another one of my favorite passages of, of scripture is as it says, immediately after David um, finished recounting the story about how he had defeated Goliath, Jonathan steps off his throne. He goes over to David and he hands him his tunic and he hands him his sword. And so he, by doing that, this is a, this is symbolism of being able to transfer his David, right? Because when people would see the color or the fabric that Jonathan was wearing, people said, oh, well, that's, that's royalty. So what, what Jonathan was doing was transferring that onto the shepherd boy and giving him this, this sword. Okay. Now you have this ability about you. So now people will respect you and you have, you have the capability to do what you will do. And scripture tells us David then goes on to, to be incredibly successful. And, and he is there, um, in the kingdom from then on. And so this is a beautiful metaphor of what Christ has done for our, in our lives, but it's also setting the stage for this account with David, because it, brings him to the point of being able to. A lot of what we say with mentoring is that we want to be people of margin. Okay, so we're, we're in the margin because we want to be with those who are marginalized, but also hear this as well. We want to be people of margin in that we have fortified, we, we are fortified, right? We are um, the margin in order for those who, who have needs to have those needs met. This is the difference between survival, right? And being, being in survival mode or, or thriving mode. We want to be people who are, who are thriving as opposed to, hey man, I wish I could help you, but you know what? You're asking me for something that, that even in, I don't have, right? Um, hey, I know you need, a, you need to be able to talk or share, but, but you know what? I don't even have anybody that I can talk or share with, okay? So the mentor is someone who has life and you know what? You have to work for margin. You have to go after it. The, the mentor is someone who goes to, to someone else and says, you know what, if I'm going to be good for this person who I need to be speaking into their life, I'm going to need somebody who's going to be speaking into mine. So could, could I just meet with you once a month? And could I just kind of glean from you? It's that second Timothy two, two it's from older men. We ourselves are then going to pass on to the next generation. That's exactly it's, right. It's that I have a spiritual father or a mentor or someone who's pouring into me so that I'm filled up so that I have abundance and in that abundance, I'm going to overflow onto someone else in the name of discipleship, in the name of mentoring, in the name of passing on what I have freely received. Exactly right. What I have, what I have freely received, I freely give. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. We are rivers, right? We are not lakes. We are, we are being poured into so that we can pour out. 
we're not a lake where we just only want to be poured into and then we just want to hold it, right? Um, we want to be receiving just as we are giving as well. There's a term for someone who only receives and doesn't give out. This is a little bit weird, so stay with me. But someone once said, that's when you get spiritually constipated. I'm like, that's disgusting, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, right on the nose. We're not going to talk about that for a while. But <laughs> let's get back to David and Jonathan and Mephibosheth. Okay, so that really kind of helps us to understand where David is at this point, where he is accomplished, right? He And he has margin so that he can say... And instead of worrying about himself, right, and instead of maintaining his own kingdom and, and worried about, hey, you know what, guys, am I still popular? Does everybody still know that I'm powerful? Um, David is not riddled with insecurities. David is not worried about David. Yet. Right. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> because he's a man after God's own heart, but we find out later that he also was a total screw-up. That's right. But he is who he is because of the kindness of Jonathan. Right. And that's where we find ourselves. Exactly. And thank you for mentioning that too, Zach. I think that if we're not careful, this turns into the Marvel universe pretty quickly, right? We're, we're, when we talk about those people of faith in scripture, we are not talking about ideas. We are talking about flesh and bone. Having the title of man, you know, man after God's own heart. I mean, does it get any better than that? King. Right. However, I mean, let's talk, you know, again, we could talk about nothing but his mistakes um, at the same time. So, I think what this does for us is it grounds us in understanding that we can be people of after God's own heart as well, even with our incredible mistakes, right? And even with our sin that we struggle with and because we are on this journey. Okay, so now we have King David securing himself in this moment, and he asks the question of his court, hey, hey guys, is there anybody in the, the house of Saul who I can meet a need for, who I've to bless? And this is where someone in David's court says, well, you know what? So is, there is this guy, all right? And even if you want to take a look there in chapter 9, so there's this servant. His name is Ziba. And he says, actually, king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. Okay, so why is that so important? He says, yes, David, you, you did... You ask the question, and, and there is someone, and he is the son of Jonathan. So he's of the bloodline, and he is Saul's grandson, in fact. But get this, and this is important too. Does Ziba say his name? He doesn't. What does he says? And by the way, he's crippled in his feet. So as we continue this conversation of what identity is, how interesting to think that as the world defines identity, so often... We might be marked by the very thing that is is our biggest weakness. He doesn't even say his name. Exactly. He says a son of Jonathan. Where in verse, what is this? Verse three, it says, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. He doesn't say his name. He says who he comes from and what's wrong with him. Exactly. Oh, that's just a kid from the South side. He goes to a bad school. He's probably just a thug. He's got tattoos. Mm -hmm. Right? We still, what a, what a modern thought to label, you know, or to say, you know why you haven't heard of him? He's crippled in his feet. Because he's, he didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. He got a girl pregnant. This is what keeps him from being a valuable member of society. Continue. So interestingly enough, you know how Mephibosheth was, got crippled? No. So. I haven't heard of this guy until like... <laughs> 26 hours ago, so I have no idea how he's okay. crippled. So as you know, David and Saul fought against one another. 
the moment that David defeats Saul and takes over the kingdom, which you, which you probably know this about how kingdoms used to work back in the day, right? If you were to go out and defeat a king, that king's family, they're done for. Okay. They're of no use. You know why? Because you're going to want to take care of that king's family and all his court because you don't want those guys going off, getting fortified, then coming back to defeat you later. Right. What you want to do is you want to wipe them out completely. So, as we know through Scripture, it tells us this in another passage, the nurse of Mephibosheth grabs the five-year-old boy up, begins to run down the hallway, drops him, and he, and he breaks his legs. Okay? Interesting story. I guess picks him up again and, and carries him out. And, and it says that Mephibosheth, up to this point in his life, has lived out in some nondescript barren, just kind of, and listen, I'll, I'll say this because of where I'm from. I think that's always, you know, that's always, I've always been sensitive to that being a kid from South Houston, right? What do we got? We got bars on every corner. We got used car lots, you yeah, know? Concrete. Yeah. A lot yeah. of concrete. And, we, and we're next to Pasadena where all the refineries are, you know? So I, I think about places like that where the world says, oh, you know what? That's not really, he's, he's a, he's a nobody from nowhere. He's from Nazareth. Mm-hmm. There ain't nothing good ever coming. You got it. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. That's right. So this is Mephibosheth living out his life up to this point. But you know what he's been doing, Zach? He's been living his life in hiding because the king didn't know that he even existed. So now, get this. When king says, well, where is he? And he tells him, oh, he's, he's at this, the house of this guy at this place, Lodabar. It's, it's not even anything you want to worry about. And then verse 5, it says, King David sent for him to be brought back from this place. So if I'm Mephibosheth, I've been living out my, my entire life up to this point in hiding. I'm only breathing because the, the residing king, the reigning king does not know that I exist. So what happens? A court representative knocks on the door and says, you've been summoned by King David. His identity is nothing. He has no purpose. And he's not hanging out with anyone. Yeah. In fact, we, we could even say that his community is probably just those who pity him because the fact that he can't work he probably has been living a life of just kind of of nothing, of not of not being even given responsibility. Think about the joy of responsibility. With youth ministry, I would always go back to say, you know what, we can do this thing two ways. We can we can think about how we want to create these atmospheres for these youth to come into and be entertained and and you know, even get like a really good lesson in their head. Or we can create an environment where people will come into it and, and be given a responsibility, right? Like be given a job. And I do the same thing in my family life as well. What am I going to do? Am I going to have my kids grow up and never know how to do anything because I want to always meet their needs and always kind of accommodate for them? Or at a certain point, do I want to begin giving them responsibility and have them understand and experience like the joy of understanding that, hey, Levi, if you don't do this job within our family, the whole family kind of suffers, right? That's the joy of purpose. That's, that's something that Mephibosheth up to this point has probably never really experienced because nothing has really been asked of him because, oh yeah, he's a grandson of Saul and he's crippled in the legs. And that's all you need to know about him. It's an upside down kingdom because you think by asking someone to do something, you're, you're quote unquote bothering them. But what you're really doing is you're giving them responsibility, which will then lead to value, which will then lead to confidence, which will then lead to them seeing themselves, how the Lord sees them. Oh my gosh, I, I am adding something to this community. I am a part of something bigger than myself. I have gifts that can actually be of service to others. I have a part to play. Isn't that an important part of mentoring, right? Where we can say, hey, I'm going to show you that you're important by meeting all of your needs. Or, hey, I'm going to show you you're important and that, and that 
there are needs that can be met and you can help meet them. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those runs out after a while because you just kind of get bored. Hey, I don't even have anything to do. You're, you're, you're taking care of everything for me. But to say, hey, again, everybody needs you, you know, because if you don't do this one job, if you don't take the trash out, then, you know, we suffer from that. Purpose is good. All right. So King David calls on this, this guy, Mephibosheth, and I'm butchering that name, please forgive me, but who's probably never been called on before. And I'm sure he's sitting there on his mat and he's like, whoa, 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 what? First off, someone wants to see me and that someone is King David? Exactly. So what do you think he thinks he's about to get when he, when he finds out that he's discovered? A whooping. <laughs> Death. He thinks it's over. Yeah. He thinks, well, well, here we go. It's been a horrible life and, and now that's over. So he's thinking, okay, well, this is it. And we know that because as he goes into the court, scripture says that he falls on his face before David, all right, in homage. And essentially he's, he's coming at him with a heart that says, look, I know that I am nothing and I know what's about to happen to me. And this is what's really beautiful about this. It's what David does next. And David said to him, do not fear for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? So I think what, just as a matter of edit, because that's, that's the reveal, right? That's our IPC right there. Do not fear. I'm going to show you. It's all good. I'm, I'm showing you kindness because of the promise that I made to Jonathan. Again, I would say this. When Mephibosheth bows before David to pay homage, fell on his face, what does David do? He yells the name Mephibosheth. David sees Mephibosheth. Uh. David speaks identity directly into the heart of Mephibosheth. That's why in verse six, and David said, Mephibosheth. Exclamation point. And he answered. Right. He, he yells his name. I see you. How important is that? Mephibosheth. I'm, I'm not addressing what you have, the, what you suffer through. I'm not addressing what society says you're labeled. I'm calling you by the name that you've been given. You're not where you come from. You're not your disability. You're not, you're a person. I see you. Identity. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. That's crazy powerful. Right. And he speaks it. The power of the word, right? Reflecting God speaking into creation. He, he does that in saying that name, Mephibosheth. You know, we get excited when we think about like a celebrity knowing us, right? Making eye contact with us or, 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 or talking to us directly, or maybe even, you know, uttering our name. Think about how exciting that would be, right? So here we have the most powerful man on earth, King David. And what does he do? He yells the name of Mephibosheth when he sees him as if Mephibosheth is the star, right? As mm -hmm. if he can't believe that he's in his presence because of the promise that he gave to Jonathan. He says, Mephibosheth, you're his boy. The, the man that I love more than anybody on earth, that my heart was knit to, as scripture says, this covenant that I made with him, and you are, you are his, the, the product of him. And so in that, we, we even just see the excitement that David is able to generate by by being in the presence of Mephibosheth. And I'm sure for the first time, maybe in his whole life, but in a long time, Mephibosheth feels hope. 
he feels, oh my gosh, someone sees me. I have value. I might be a part of something. I might have community. I might have friendship. Things might be turning around for me. That hope is a powerful thing. There are so many kids out there who don't have hope. But when a mentor can call his name and say, hey, come with me. Hey, come, come sit at my table. Right? That's a game changer. Absolutely right. So what we get out of this is David modeling this identity, purpose, and community in these few chapters here that you read earlier. And that he says, Mephibosheth, this is your name. This is who you are. And he says, don't be afraid. I will show you kindness because of Jonathan. And this is where he speaks into his purpose. He says, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. Meaning, Mephibosheth, up to this point, you have not, you've had not, not to do anything. All you've done is just kind of sit there and lick your wounds and, and regret and, and try to keep yourself alive and keep yourself hidden. But Mephibosheth, you have been created for a purpose. These lands, they need to be managed. These people, they need to be overseen. He says, I'm going to restore this. I'm going to restore the land of Saul. And get this as well, that in, in so doing, you know what David's doing? He's actually having less for himself at this point because he had been managing Saul's land, right? And he said, actually, I'm giving this to you at cost to me. And he says this as well to speak of community and you shall eat at my table always. Does he say, you're going to eat at my table when we have a reporter come and take a picture? Does he say, hey, every Easter and every Christmas, we're going to have this really great feast and, and we're, going to, we're going to wheel you in so that everybody can see how kind I am and how benevolent I am to endure you for a couple of times a year. No, he says, in each day, we're going to sit at the family table together and I'm going to hear what you have to bring and I'm going to share with you what I have for you and I'm going to enjoy life with you. But you know what? Maybe I'm also going to be inconvenienced by you because we have no idea. I mean, think about where Mephibosheth's headspace is at this point. What if Mephibosheth is the biggest whiner and complainer that anybody's ever known? And David's king. So he's got a lot on his plate. That's right. He's making margin. There is incredible sacrifice to what David has done here. And that, that is really the beauty and that is really the heartbeat of this account, but also what we glean from it as mentors as well. And that is inconvenience, that is struggle, that is patience, that is all the things that we're called to do and endure for the sake of the Mephibosheths in our lives. So land the plane. So sum up why this story is the foundation of the pillars of mentoring of IPC, identity, purpose, and community. The beauty of this, just like in all scripture, is to understand that this metaphor or this account is to speak directly into our lives. It's, it's to inform our, the, our theology, and it is to also direct us into how we should live this life, right? We look at the life of Christ for that reason as well, but we also look at the, the life of David in that way. So what we see here is King David reflecting Christ in that he has all the power, all the ability, right? All this glory, all this accomplishment. And what does he do? He says, hey, is there anybody else that I haven't been able to bless yet based on the promise that I made, right? The covenant. And so we find ourselves as the everyday Mephibosheths, don't we? Because we heard our name called. We were brought into the presence of the king. And he says, no longer will you be known for what keeps you from me. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a place at my table. I'm going to turn that, that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And so we when we realize that we are a Mephibosheth, 
what we do is we say, Lord, I, I in and of myself am nothing, but I've been made in your image, right? It's that Mephibosheth to say, that's right. I am from the house of Saul. I, I am of royal blood. And so we say, wait, I've been made in, in the Lord's image. And so I want my sin to be taken from me. I want to have the Holy Spirit come inside me into my very bones, into my DNA, and to give me life. And so we find ourselves to be a new creation. So then, you know, what we find, Zach, is that we become the David and that we get to speak into identity, purpose, and community of the Mephibosheths in our life. Because the Lord did that for us. Exactly right. And, and for no other reason. Because he has freely given to us, so now we freely give to others. And that's mentoring. That's discipleship. Yes. We can only do, we can only give because we've been given to. That's that's a lot. I'm gonna be thinking about that all day, man. John, thank you for your wisdom, bro. Thank you for this showing me this passage. I've I've never heard this before. I'm I'm kind of there's a lot going on in my head right now, and we're gonna continue this. So until next time, my friend. Thank you for spending time with us. And if I just encourage everyone to go back and read Second Samuel eight and nine and just sit on this and just let let the Lord work on it. Absolutely, just chew on it. Let it marinate. Because there's, this is just so rich. Right. And we'll come back next time and we'll talk about some other things that are foundational for this, for this IPC, for identity, purpose, and community, what we call the pillars of mentoring. Thank you for listening. Share with your friends. If you didn't hear anything else, you missed out. But remember this, you can mentor. <laughs>